it's generally frowned upon, I think. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You're listening to episode 114 of Sapnin Podcast with myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan Richards, who's known to about six other people as Mo Dick. Yes, I am Morgan Richards, and we're here to bring you a... Degrees of separation from overthinking, motion sickness, and the tale of outer suburbia. Well, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Uh, Yeah, this week's guest is uh, Trenton Woodley from uh, Australian rock outfit hands like houses yes another australian guest we love a bit of aussie magic haven't had any in a while though but literally a country that continues to produce some incredible music and artists we love in our scene and hands like houses are one of the front runners of those over the last decade they've captured fan bases across the world shifting from metalcore pop punk to summer beachy influences their band i've always checked in with and have wanted to get insights into behind the scenes for quite a while so when we had the offer for trent to come on we snapped up and had a brilliant laugh and conversation with him yes yes we did thanks to uh trent and his team to all the hands hands like houses crew uh for sorting this out it was um yeah yeah it was a lot of fun also, I'd like to say congratulations to Australia for being practically open again. Mm. Well done. You're winning. You and New Zealand are the uh, kings and queens and non-binary champions of the world. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to Australia and everybody. It, like you said, it is crazy that Australia has been churning out some unbelievable bands, especially over like the last five or six years. It's, it's just ever growing. And it's, I find that crazy. And I love it. So, uh, yeah, thanks to um, Australia for existing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but there's so many different genres over there as well, which is mad to see. Because, like, you know, there's bands, there's upcoming bands like Yours Truly, who we've had on, who are just killing it in that poppy world. And then you've got Parkway Drive, like the kings of metal, (laughs) basically. It's it's insane, but getting very jealous because they're all announcing shows over there now. And it looks like they're all going to happen. And it's just like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, they, got band, stuff, band, they got their stuff. They got their stuff ready to go. 
a band has announced the tour, <laughs> and guess what? What? It's going to happen. Shut up. Shut up. No way. Oh, what? It's mad. I, I, who'd have thought? Who'd have thought, like, over a year ago, we'd be still having this conversation, being like, how mad <laughs> is it that there's gigs happening? Yeah, I did see uh, my friend Gareth from Pendulum and Knife Party did a gig the other day in New Zealand or Australia, so I have messaged him about coming on the show, so if... um. If anybody would like to hear about, it. I'd like. I just want him on to be like, "Hi, yeah, happening, happening." You're our first. You're our first guest who's done a gig in over a year. Jesus Christ, what's what's gigging like? What's it like being in a gig again? <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, if you want, if you'd like to hear from Gareth Pendulum at Gareth Pendulum on Twitter, um, give him a shout, tap him up because I think he's on about coming on. But uh, I think the more people uh, give him a nudge, the better. Yes, that's the same with everything. Um, and just to say to our Australian listeners, we are all very jealous. So if you do go to gigs, let us know. Send some photos and stuff. But you know, Hands Like Houses put out a brilliant five-track EP back in October of 2020. Um, just what was ha- it called? It's funny enough. It was called Hands Like Houses. I believe. Genius. I believe in Absolute the industry genius. they call that a self-titled release. Sean. Oh, I thought it was called After the Band. I don't know where it's on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been listening to it a lot anyway. It's like really honing on the uh, summer beach vibes. So if you fancy it, some rocking and relaxing, it's the perfect thing for it. And we're going to get insights into the whole songwriting process of that. Uh, Trent is pushing through lockdown and achieving some personal goals in that time. There's mentions of Gordon Ramsay that I don't think anyone will ever expect. And we even get into the band's beloved Patreon community um, that have been doing a lot of different things with the way they treat their platform. And it's just brilliant to see because this is definitely a time where all artistic people are in need. So if there's a a band you like, go and support them. Shut up. Don't tell. Well, yeah, my band. Yeah. um, Raiders Band UK. Yeah. On yeah, all don't, don't support any other bands. Yeah, no, don't support just, any other bands. Just Raiders band. Well, yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to sign up to anybody's Patreon, hello, patreon.com forward slash happening. If you've enjoyed any of these 114 million trillion episodes that take forever to record, think about signing up to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash happening. You can give as little or as much as you want, and it all goes back into helping this be as good as we can get it. And, um, yeah, we're always looking at trying to buy and upgrade equipment. This week, I have mainly bought two pairs of separate headphones because the headphones I needed for a podcast we're about to do later on weren't in stock. So because me and you did a podcast for somebody else that comes out this Friday as well, um, I had to buy two sets of headphones. So I bought a cheap set to use for that <laughs> podcast. And now I bought an expensive pair that should be your any second so you just doubled uh, down basically you just thought well you know at least you got a backup here as well now sean well that yeah that is the um that is the hope so i'm Mm. gonna try my best not to lose them but yeah like i said if you've enjoyed any of the episodes please think about helping out where you can um patreon patreon patreon.com forward slash sapnin and if you want to reach out to us on social media um suggest guests suggest topics pick our brains Get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram at Sappeninpod. That's at S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. We had somebody tweet me 
uh, earlier in the week saying, I think you should get Tony Hawk on. Mm. And mad, crazily, I had a dream last night that I met Tony Hawk, right? But he was furious because you know that thing where people keep like recognizing recognizing him but not recognizing him yeah that's become quite an internet sensation lately yeah it's literally a meme like he's becoming a meme and i in my in my dream i was with him and i knew who he was but he was furious because somebody had just come on and go oh i know who you are you jackass's dad <laughs> oh what? and i was like well uh, I suppose, <laughs> in a way, you kind of, like, yeah. he made skating so popular that, hmm, in a way, I reckon uh, Johnny Knoxville and Steve-O should be um, giving some money to Tony, to be honest. Probably. But, yeah. But, but. Um, so, yeah, in my dream, he was Jackass's <laughs> dad. So, I'd love Tony O'Connor. That'd be a great... I, I, oh, imagine how many stories he's got about being misrecognised and stuff. Like, I just want to hear him coming from him. Yeah, he's so, got to yeah. do a kickflip live on the podcast, though, as well, just for the... Um, well, funny enough, I've seen him doing a 720 um, spin the other day that he hasn't been able to do for quite some time. Ooh. So, congratulations. To t- I know Tony Hawk listens every week. Oh, definitely, so th- yeah. congratulations on his 720 spin, brother. I know you did the 900 a couple of years ago, but 720's unbelievable, considering I can't even stand on a skateboard. Yeah, I struggle as well, but... Um obviously all your support means the world so if you can sign up to the patreon it would be very much appreciated we're literally a two-person team there's no other entity that's helped us with everything it's literally myself and sean and the patreon group which are lovely lovely people and we'd love you to be involved with that speaking of nice comments though that people can throw at us on social media at sapping pod this week it was my birthday. I had some lovely messages from my account, from the Sapman account, but someone commented something that k- kind of made me sad um, oh, and questioned oh, oh. and questioned my appearance because oh, you, Sean, posted a lovely uh, a photo of me that from Reading Festival 2019 where we did a lot of work for the podcast. And there's one yeah. comment on there that says, Uh-oh. I'm just a Lars Zurich lookalike. Lars Ulrich, you mean? Him. What, the drummer from Metallica? Yeah. You look like Lars Ulrich. According to this one Instagram account, I look like the drummer from Metallica. Who tweeted that? Stevie Wonder? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. you? That's that's reinsured me. That's all I wanted to... uh... Lars Ulrich! (laughs) More like Lard Fredrickson and the Bastards, or Friedrichson (laughs) and the Bastards, or whatever his name is. Um, I don't know. Yeah. How have they... Right, number one, who said it? Do you know who said it? No, I, I, I hadn't recognised their. I don't recognise their account, so it's not a. It's oh, not a. It's not a. Oh, I like it. Oh, bit of shade there. <laughs> oh, it's nobody to me, but somebody <laughs> mentioned it. Um, yeah, Lars Ulrich, that's brilliant. I yeah. think you look more like James Hetfield, really. Than... <laughs> well, out of the Metallica scale, yeah, I would be yeah, more James. On the Metallica scale, you look like uh, Kirk Amit. I don't know what that. Yeah, uh, the oh, if you cool, if you cool it, yeah, get it curly. Oh, get it curly and dye it grey or black, whatever he is at yeah, the moment. I don't know. I, yeah, I thought that that just that stumped me. I don't think I do, to be honest. I'd like his money. I'd like Lars's money. Um, it's that's but, definitely a birthday ruiner. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry your birthday was ruined. Happy mm. birthday again, though. Oh, for, thank you. Uh, earlier this week. Thanks. Um, I would be devastated. Um, <laughs> Lars, I don't even know. Like, where? What do you mean? I was like, yeah, I was so confused. But here we are. 
I think we should just probably just get on with it because yeah, I'm so I, lo- like I'm I'm looking at you now <laughs> and I can't see Lazy Rick and it's it's all I can think about now is why would somebody have said that? No idea. But while we all ponder this, this is the wonderful Trent from Hands Like Houses on episode 114 of Sapnin Podcast. Wow. How the fuck have we got this far? Anyway, Sapnin! Sapnin! Lars, you look like nothing fucking like him. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Sapnin! Sapnin! Not much! Oh, boo! <laughs> <laughs> you didn't yell, Sapnin! I'm, I'm absolutely good. I did it. There we go. You did it! Yes! There we go. Right, let me cross off um, all the bad questions I was going to ask now, now that you've said it, because otherwise you're going to have a hell of a type. No, this week's guest is the fantastic Trent from Canberra's finest uh, Hands Like Houses. How yes. are you? Very well. Very well. Good. Good, good. Um, I'm really going for the long form answers today. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you could answer everything with one word, that would be fantastic. Um, yeah. How have we been keeping? Uh, doing well, man. It's, it's been obviously been um, a strange year for, well, you know, all the usual reasons. And for me, kind of, yeah, um, it's a, been a bit of a chance to kind of pivot on a few things and figure a few things out with, I guess, the additional time. So it's been... Um, yeah, a strange one, but mostly things are okay. We're obviously being an island. Um, it's kind of easier to lock down the country, so to speak. So, and, you know, we've got a few state borders closed and such. So I know this is probably all the, <laughs> the obvious, the obvious stuff, but Not yeah, nice. like, um, yeah, being an island, been able to isolate from the rest of the world fairly successfully thus far. And I'm um, just kind of handling internal stuff and where like where, whereabouts I live, um, I'm about five hours from the rest of the boys. So the guys are all from Canberra, just a couple of hours north of Sydney, I don't know. Don't know how well you know Australia, but 
just outside a place called Newcastle. And yeah, yeah, just <laughs> we've got a new we got a new Newcastle here. Not the same one though. <laughs> oh no, that's not the same one. I was like, your, your football team's a little bit better, and that's maybe saying I don't know how much that is saying. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I reckon the Australian football team is probably better than Newcastle at the moment. Um, but yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, wow. Okay, but anyway, this, this, despite all of that, I, I mean, obviously, with not being able to tour and everything, things are being a bit different for you and the band. But how have you been keeping saying out of that? Is it just being a really creative period behind the scenes? If you take up some new hobbies, what's what's been keeping you occupied? Um, I was actually talking to my wife about that today. Um, we're just visiting family at the moment. On the way down, I was just talking about like it's been really interesting to kind of look back over the last six months and what I've been able to actually do with the time. Cause I mean, for us with the way that Australian kind of coronavirus, basically the government program to kind of keep our economy turning, um, it's been a stimulus package involved with basically ex most businesses eligible over a certain point, you know, in certain industries have been allowed to basically it's been kind of given an indirect welfare benefit through the company. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. essentially basically as a band, we were eligible for what, what's called job keeper, which is basically the government covers your wages bill up to a certain amount. And that's basically kind of made up for the loss of touring for the year. So it was kind of, for me taking the chance to actually kind of when everything first hit, I was actually had literally just finished an internship in kind of a UX design, which is actually like user experience. It's kind of doing a bit more like digital tech app design and website kind of planning and, you know, that sort of stuff, which I was really enjoying and really excited about, but no junior positions. (laughs) Obviously (laughs) as soon as coronavirus hit all the disposal budget and all the junior positions kind of evaporated from that, even though we're using tech more and it is all coming back, but I made, I've kind of made the decision very much on the fly to pivot into like, well, we've got this EP that we're about to release. Um, I'm going to put the next X amount of time, whether it's a few weeks, a couple of months, didn't really know at that point into really kind of doing like a full breakdown of like what our band is, what it's been, what people identify with, how this EP fits into that, how, you know, how we can actually put this EP out with the best and really took some time to actually, I guess, pay a bit more attention when, when you're kind of going through the, the routine and the rhythm of like, you know, you're on tour and then you're off tour and then you're writing a record and then you put out the record and then you're on tour and then you're off tour. It's like, I think it, you, you don't get to ask the bigger questions of like, why does this happen? <laughs> so yeah, it, it, in a lot of ways it's worked out to be like a six month UX case study, which has been great, but um, <laughs> you know, hopefully it, that's what I'm hoping to put on the resume at the end of it. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's just been, it's been a really interesting chance to kind of like, because I know that I guess I, I, there's not the uncertainty, like even just the regularity of like a more regular paycheck, as opposed to kind of the fluctuating stuff that we'd have normally between tours and such. Um, just to really kind of focus on cool. This is what I got for this week and then set out a game plan and talk about this. Okay. This week I'm going to work on our, this aspect of our website. Now I'm going to work on our Patreon for this and then, you know, work on some music and, and you know, it's been a really interesting opportunity to actually really do some in-depth thinking. Nice. Well, I know I noticed earlier on your website, um, I went to the community bit and like like you've just mentioned, you've got a Patreon. Um, we've got a Patreon for our, our podcast as well. And I don't know about you, but like the community that we've made via ours yeah. is mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Like it's yep. it's it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Like I j- when we started there, we just thought, oh, you know, maybe if it helps with just, you know, helping cover petrol costs or whatever, we'd imagine like five <laughs> or six people might sign up. And, you know, we got like we got like 200 now and they are the loveliest people on earth. Is that mm. something that you found as well doing the Patreon? 
Absolutely. Um, the consent, like we've, we have a bit of a different sort of structure with ours to the traditional Patreon method, which creates a lot of work for myself. Whoops, my bad. Anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, we, we may or may not come back to that. But um, yeah, the community, the community of people that has kind of built around it. I mean, it's been amazing. We've had people, you know, people coming out, people kind of engaging with songs that remind them of really traumatic relationships in the past and actually have that kind of healing experience of like being able to actually listen to that song when we play it live now. Um, and, you know, just having those conversations about those sort of things and different struggles and, you know, um, it's actually supporting each other. Like it's become so self-perpetuating mm. in that aspect. Like, sure. You keep putting things in there because that's the reason everyone's there, but it's like, it's, it's, it is just a community. That's the thing. It, it is a community that's freestanding now, which is really, really crazy. So yeah. Glad nice. to hear it's happening across the board. It's not just us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, it yeah. completely blew Literally. our mind. Like we, we didn't, like I said, like we didn't expect anything. And like, like, yeah, we've got people like start dating each other. Oh, it's um, all, it's all yeah, big wow. happening in there. Yeah. yeah. We've re we've recently had a sapling baby. Well, we haven't. That sounds like <laughs> oh, me and Morgan. Have been, no, we yeah. haven't had anything. I just like, like to state for the record, <laughs> me and Morgan have not been inseminating anybody involved in the Patreon. So, um, yeah. Don't sign up to the Patreon if you're expecting Morgan or myself to um, give you a baby. That's a weird one. What, um, what, are, yeah, what are some of the perks and uh, yeah, tears and stuff you do? Or is it just like one, one fee all in? Both and neither um, we have a bit of a, a non-traditional structure which is what i mentioned with the, the yeah with the headaches earlier for me one thing one reason we took a while to start any doing this sort of thing we've always seen the value of having like a community-based you know like a super subscription-based community because it helps kind of even out iron out some of those fluctuations in band life but i think for us there was always this like barrier of i guess an ethical standpoint um i think for us like looking at especially when it first started with like the kickstarter model where it's it's basically you pay x amount you get this you pay x amount what's well, so a y amount you get this you pay z amount you get xyz you know what i mean like all these different things and for us it was just always attaching arbitrary prices to things like oh meet and greets and regular sessions skype sessions with the band to just chat or things like that you know what i mean like putting arbitrary values on things that just really weren't for us it's like that, that it was just hard to justify from a personal ethical standpoint and, and you know that, that, that was our decision it's not holding against anyone else that has created that value proposition is comfortable with that no problem but for us the kind of the solution for that was kind of through an idea that kind of i worked out with some friends kind of separate to the band but ended up kind of bringing back to the boys and saying well what do you think about trying to structure it like this and so it's more about like how long you signed up over time so it's it's essentially that what really counts for us is that we have well we have statuses so it's like there's a few, there's a few variations, but it's more about like how long you stay signed up and like how much you actually pay. And I mean, it does count. Eventually it does come to it like a dollar value where it's like, it does add up over time to a certain amount. And then you go over a threshold, but it's like, we still provide perks at all levels and it's not. A, so whether you've just signed up or you've been around for a year, like you still get access to a lot of the same stuff. So for us, it's more about like longevity and rewarding loyalty rather than just like, you know, chime in, chime out yeah. type sort of thing. And I think that that makes it more transactional. It makes it really hard to kind of maintain balance. And I've seen so many bands kind of start up with all the best of intentions and this crazy long list of things they're going to do. And then mm. X amount of price, you know, this is how much it costs per month. And it's, it's often quite significant amounts because they're looking, Oh, we need a couple of hundred fans to support us for you know crazy amounts of money. And so they set their pricing according to that. And that always, I feel like that often ends in disappointment. So for us, it was about kind of creating a very simple 
value proposition from day one and kind of, you know, under promise and over deliver in that sort of sense. So, so we've done things like, you know, we've sent out stems for songs. We've done like kind of, you know, game nights. We've done Zoom AMAs. Um, we've had a it's been a minute since we've actually done a couple of those sort of things. We're mostly doing kind of early access and the stems and stuff like that over the last couple of months, just with obviously coronavirus. There are some limits there. We long term we wanted to have like basically free access to like you know do like a VIP hang pre show or like you know sound check things like that. That was some of the initial idea when we first started talking about it. Um, but obviously that's kind of off the cards now, but you know what I mean? So, so theoretically someone that's paid two bucks a month, which not much at all. And that's like, that's kind of the base sort of level. And, you know, you can have access to stuff within six months of paying that, you know what I mean? It's 12 bucks. Great. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. nice. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Some good ideas there. I think we might, um, Nick some of them. But going back to that kind of case study mentality and being able to reflect on hands like houses now in this weird time, has it been quite interesting thinking back on how far the bands come over the last like decade and beyond and how many tours, <laughs> places you've visited, just things you've been able to achieve? For sure. It's been um yeah, odd to like it is still just such a weird thing to think about. Like it's pretty much 11 years now that we've been doing this. And, and that's since I joined the band and I was the last one to join. Some of the guys had like a couple of years before that in other acts together, like various other bands and stuff. So it's like, it, it's just such an odd amount of time to think about. And even just looking at like, kind of thinking about like our influence shifts and like, you know, the, I guess the internal, if I say politics, it sounds like it's a big, contrived like argumentative type thing and that's just probably because of the politics we're used to but i just mean like the way that we relate to each other as people and kind of the different roles that we each play at different times so it's been really interesting kind of looking at that retrospectively and how that was reflected in like a creative from like a creative thing but for me the biggest thing was just like we actually put out just a few like instagram and facebook stories and twitter posts just saying send us a video back to say what it is about hands like houses that actually resonates for you. Like what, why does this matter to you more than another, another band that's just on the radio and just had some amazing, like, you know, literally hundreds upon hundreds of video answers or text answers or little audio clips, just depending on what people felt like at the time. Um, some people are like, Oh, I really wanted to send something, but I feel really self-conscious. I'm like, let's go for it. Just then send it, you know, send it as a text. And they've written this like three paragraph long thing about how some, you know, some life circumstance, so different things like that. And, the feedback out of that was really good because we've, we've had such a mix, like we've seen kind of social media go from nothing to everything. And then kind of into this weird in between that we have now and <laughs> in the course of our career. And I mean, it's, it's been such an odd shift, but yeah, just kind of being able to kind of go beyond that, you know, love hate relationship with social media to actually see the people on the other end of it for, for to kind of get back to looking at that and having those conversations. It just, it, it really helped me kind of, get perspective on what we do. And so much of what we do is storytelling through music. It's taking a photograph of a moment in time for us. And we got to own that, you know, we know there's shifts and there's different, you know, perspectives on kind of what storytelling means. But I think for us, it's just, you know, particularly going into this EP cycle, it really was about telling the story around the EP, like the kind of the, the recording process, the, you know, the immediacy and the urgency of what we were actually doing in the moment and why that came about and kind of how that, I mean, you listen to the songs and you can't escape that. Like I can't escape that listening to the songs of just what that circumstance was. So it's just, yeah, kind of really getting that kind of bird's eye view of the story of hands like houses and trying to kind of yeah. use that to shape what we're doing. Yeah. 
Nice. Yeah, you mentioned like how, how like your inspirations have changed. Can you talk to us a little bit about what started you, like what bands inspired you to start, and then what how they've mm. changed now, how they've shifted? For sure. I mean, we've always had very different music tastes between the five of us. I think that's kind of why we ended up with such an eclectic sound to start with and such an intense, like a very intensely eclectic sound and to the, maybe to our detriment, depending on who you ask. But I think, you know, for us, it, you know, I guess the common kind of early influences were bands like the receiving end of Sirens and Thrice and Circus Survive and um, some of that sort of stuff from that kind of era. Um, the Sound of Animals Fighting was a big one for me, just like the kind of the art you know art style of that early on and i think you know th- those are uh, there's some pretty chaotic stuff especially around that sort of time period for the, a lot of those bands so i think you know that was kind of the unifying things of, there were some common bands that we all had stuff that we enjoyed about but i mean yeah like i said we, we've always had very very different tastes and as we've gotten older that's kind of got they've gotten more and more spread apart but i've really gotten to kind of I guess better appreciate and understand this idea of a phantom center in the sense that it is like, there's this kind of midpoint that's the average of the five of us. And that's what hands like houses sounds like. There is no such thing as, you know, a definitive hands like houses record because what hands like houses is, is just this average point of five very different people. And we've all, as we all move different directions, if you imagine there's like, you know, rubber bands type between all of us, then you're going to get this like, almost like a Venn diagram in the middle, looking down of this space in the middle that, you know, we might all be moving very like all different directions, but so that, and it, you know, whether one person's having relationship troubles or, and their time, their time and investment in the band changes as a result of that, which is fine. You know, someone might have a, you know, a job opportunity that kind of means that they're less involved. And so that means the creative influences kind of shift more towards the other band members to average that out okay. and things like that. So I think, and, you know, we all we go through ebbs and flows and cycles and, you know, prior, like kind of, I think between, uh, between Anon and now, I, can't, I, I went through a phase where I just wanted to turn up and like, I love playing shows, but I just didn't have the drive to really do the, even the music side of things. Like, you know, it, it was just, it was hard to be proactive because I just had other things going on and, you know, we still kind of figure out where, what the future looked like for us. And we still don't know, but. We've all been through those ebbs and flows, and so that phantom center moves around with that. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's quite interesting to hear, because one of the things I wanted to talk about is obviously there's been such an evolution within Hands Like Houses since you started over a decade ago. As you said, there's so many different influences. You've changed up your sound quite a few times and experimented more with different vibes and instrumentation. But how how has the songwriting really changed in that time? Is there anything that really comes to mind that how, how you've seen those changes just constantly evolve? Mm-hmm. You got me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think our process is kind of the same. Yeah. It's, it, there's a couple of different ways I could kind of look at it. I, I think, I think a lot of the, we, we focus more on songwriting than writing parts. If that may, like we've gone to writing songs more than writing parts. Um, I think when we first started off, um, everyone kind of just brought these parts and then we kind of literally threw them in a blender. Like that's, (laughs) (laughs) I think that's that's the story of the the majority of most bands starting, I think is like, Oh, I've got this bit. And they're like, Oh, that's a real cool bit. Is it the same key as this bit? 
I think so, yeah. Let's stick these bits together. <laughs> Let's put them at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you listen back um, and go, oh, that's clunky. Oh, that is clunky. That is awkward. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So is there, is there, like, one person who comes along with, like, a song or a riff? Or is there... I don't know, two of you, or is, it, or is it all of you all the time? Of re- more recent times, I think um, kind of, I guess the primary sort of songwriters have been kind of me and Alex, but, you know, everyone still brings their flavor and vibe in different ways. And I mean, we had a less time to kind of do, do that kind of back and forth with this EP than we probably would have liked. But, you know, and there were external circumstances for that, which I've kind of talked about and even just in the stuff, the promotional stuff around the EP, like different sorts of press, but also even just the little videos we put up on our YouTube talking about what the songs are about. Um, but yeah, like, you know, like it's, again, that's just where we are at the moment. There's ebbs and flows and there's different people, you know, Joel's kind of brought some cool stuff. Joel's been kind of really coming into his own with a demo set up at home that pretty much since anon, I think Joel's been kind of working on. So we get, get some really interesting sort of takes out of that. And, you know, Coops has just kind of been kind of moving around a bit. He was living in Texas for a bit and then in Colorado for a bit and didn't really have like a proper jam set up, but he's now actually living with Joel as well. So I think we'll have more, you know, I, I think there is going to be another kind of chapter in it, I suppose, you know, I think it'll come around to different people. It, it, like I said, it is that phantom center. It's just all of us with our different lives and different circumstances, all just pulling different directions and figure out what exists somewhere in the middle and make it fit together. <laughs> how um, yeah, how does working in Texas work with everybody else being in Australia? How, how, <laughs> how did that come about? Um, well, basically Coops uh, met his now wife, and was kind of just living over there for a bit. And he was supposed to be back oh, a lot earlier than he was. Basically they were kind of sorting out some visa stuff for her coming back here. And then coronavirus hit and that slowed everything down. And it was always kind of like, you know, it took two weeks for them to write, reply to any email, even though if that email was to say, Oh, you missed this thing. Cause we didn't send you the right form or something like that. So um, it took us, it, I think Coop's only got here just, it was about three weeks before we did the Live in Your Lounge stream recently. So it was like early August that he finally came over when he was supposed to be here in March. So it's, yeah, well, I mean, for that time, we had a couple, a couple of shows. And even while he was in the States, we've done a couple of gigs and festivals where we've had either a friend come in and play or we had previous takes of Coops recorded from last tours or sets for a, a good number of songs and so we just kind of played coops but just from last time <laughs> through, through a laptop so you know it's not ideal but you know that's that's the way we live in and if it's possible like you know you don't rely on it but it's good to have as a backup plan yeah yeah but but going back to that kind of evolution of the band do, do you see it as that or or just different chapters throughout your your time i mean how how, how would you really describe the the band's journey up, to, up until this point for me the kind of visualization i have is like a train that you know it stops off at different stations but i don't think it's necessarily chapters per se um it's like a continuous journey so some people get on at different points people get off at different points um some people are on for the whole ride just to see the scenery some people are trying to get somewhere by it it's it is kind of such a mixed bag of reasons that it exists and, and that it use it's used so that's kind of what i visualize when i look at our career i suppose um and i think you know that covers with albums because we've certainly had like everyone every fan that i've ever talked to has had a really strong emotional connection to the album that they discovered us by and that's every single album that we've put out you know nice. 
So yeah. it's like, like I said, there's people getting on at some stations and people have gotten off at that same stations, but it's just like, Hey, who's along for the ride? Yeah. That's, that's brilliant. You, I, yeah. We've never had a training metaphor before on this podcast. <laughs> so I think that's, that's right up there. But, um, one <laughs> sentence in particular, <laughs> one sentence in particular, I've seen mentioned quite a lot, um, throughout you know, the time of the band is the fact that it always comes up that making music to make you feel something is mm. that just being is that just a general ethos and, and goal of the band throughout is that whatever you do it always goes back to that and having those feelings connecting with people yeah um i think you know people have always kind of i mean look from a lyrical standpoint and a as, as the vocalist i think it's like it's really hard not to have a i guess a more personal connection to the music because of the role that i play because I've been written writing in a way that is me trying to work through a lot of my stuff sometimes, or like kind of trying to just put my thoughts that are onto a page in a way that for me kind of captures some of the subtlety and nuance of what I'm thinking. That's kind of, yeah, where that thought process comes from. And I think people have connected with that. Like, I mean, that goes for music in general. Like people just connect with music because it is something that makes them feel something, but it was kind of a, yeah, it's kind of an ethos type thing. I think it was good for me to kind of put down almost like a creative mission statement, I think, for what as like a way of kind of helping shape what, not just, you know, how we present ourselves, but what we actually are. So, like, I've kind of evolved that a little bit. I don't know if I'll update the word. Music to make you feel something with the doors closed or the windows down is kind of something I've been playing with. <laughs> uh, so, it's like whether you, you yeah, you know what I mean? Like, we, we, we've definitely had a bit of like a, summer road trip vibe with more, uh, more recent releases. And that's one thing that we really enjoy is that kind of real kind of summary sort of beach vibe. Again, it's trying to cover, it's trying to cover all bases, but I think for us, it's also just helping just distill what we're about. It's, it's meant for, if you, if you want to just take a moment and think about something seriously, great. That's what it's there for. It's there for that. But it's also, if you just want to kick on and have a song to sing along with live, then that's great too. And that's, yeah. Trying to try to bridge that gap. I guess is what we're trying to do. Yeah. So the uh, yeah the self-titled EP. By the time this goes out, that'll be out now. Can you tell us a bit about that? Like, how long? When did you start writing and recording for it? How long did it take? Who produced it? Um, yep. All right. So uh, the cliff notes of <laughs> no, we um we made it in set. <laughs> yeah, we made it in September last year, and to be honest, we kind of wrote, recorded, and produced it more or less within fourteen days, which. Um, wow. not, was not ideal. Um, we're supposed to have kind of, I think 20 days was what we had on the calendar, a week of pre-production and then kind of 10 days in the Airbnb. And then I think two or three days at the professional studio, <laughs> inverted commas, um, to do the drums mainly because it's rare to find an Airbnb that's going to sound awesome for drums, especially with the mic rig and set up that you need <laughs> everything else. You can kind of plug in one thing at a time, but drums, you need a lot of things plugged in at once. So. So we flew our producer, Colin Britton, who was, uh, who worked with us on Anon, um, kind of was the executive producer for Anon. We loved working with him. He's like a really creative and we really appreciated what he brought to the band in terms of kind of helping shape our ideas into something that was covered what we wanted to do with it. He brought out a couple of bits and pieces, um, but he was actually working on Data Remembers upcoming album at the time. Uh, and basically some of that stuff had run over time, a few rewrites, a few like, back to the drawing board type things with a band that size, you know, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of, I guess, weight to throw around. So pretty much they got him for a few extra days that they needed. And we just had to kind of say, well, we'll just make the most of it. So 
got together, but, you know, rather than kind of everyone kind of sitting in a room kind of trying to work stuff out without calling a column there to kind of help call the shots. Cause that's the thing that's part of the reason we do work with producers that are a bit more involved um, as opposed to like engineers or like having it self-recorded. I think sometimes we do need that kind of sixth voice to be an authority, authoritative one just to kind of help us shape all the different kind of perspectives into one cohesive thing. We lost a bit of our pre-production time. And I think cause we're all at home as well. It's our first time recording in Australia. So Really, like I think we're all pretty comfortable with our regular routine. So it's just kind of like, oh crap, that's this week. We're in the studio. Crap. Okay. Um, and we, you know, we had tons of ideas. We had tons of bits and pieces, but we hadn't really kind of spent the time to almost like put a fine tooth comb through that. We hadn't had the chance to really, I don't know, knuckle down and decide what, hey, what is this EP going to be? So it was- imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns kind of a wait and see type thing. We just had to wait a few days longer and then pretty much writing and recording on the fly. And that's why I think a lot of the immediacy and urgency of what I was feeling, like the pressure of like trying to deliver on that, because at that stage we were planning for this EP to be out January, early February, kind of going into Australian festival booking season. You know what I mean? Like trying to just find it with that. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we, it got held up a little bit with getting the mixes done, which was ended up being a blessing in that regard, because we would have been booked for all the extra festivals that got canceled. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so kind of we we're feeling all the pressure and that came, comes through and I guess the, the angst of the lyrics, like it is a very honest, you know, mm. simple and direct lyrically, um, which, you know, was a conscious choice on my part. I wanted to make it, well, uh, it was kind of, uh, kind of out of necessity, but also I think it was a conscious choice to embrace the necessity of it and just really kind of capture what I was feeling because it sucked. Like it was not a fun time. It was fun when we went surfing in the morning and played table tennis during the day but that was like a much needed (laughs) break from the chaos and stress and it was kind of like to be honest that was probably the thing that kept kept us from imploding but um yeah you kind of really get that sense of chaos and calm in in the music and that's something i'm i guess i'm really proud of that's probably one of the bonuses is recording in australia as well as that you can go surfing and enjoy (laughs) the weather a bit more i don't think bands over here um really have that luxury (laughs) yeah i've i went to yeah we've been to uk beaches and just like oh this sort of it's okay (laughs) no it's awful yeah yeah oh look (laughs) actual human shit (laughs) that's 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 uk beaches um yeah where else have you recorded previously then Florida. Oh, nice. 
Nice. <laughs> we did a, we've done three albums in Florida and then on was in, uh, we did it in Cali and LA, North Hollywood sort of area. So, um, and that was an amazing, like that's, we had such a good time doing it on and that's kind of what we're trying to replicate for this EP. Um, but yeah, we done, done our three previous records in Florida, not really for any particular reason other than that just happened to be where the producers that we were working with were based. And, but they were, both spots were kind of, one was kind of isolated in, in kind of the suburban Orlando and one was like a little, kind of town outside Orlando for unimagined dissonance with um, James Wisner and James is amazing. They love his work, but it was just such a tiny little place that wasn't really much to do outside of studio hours. So it kind of drove us a bit crazy. <laughs> so it was good to feel, it was good to be somewhere that felt alive. And that was kind of the big jump to LA. And I think we tried to, okay, so a place that feels alive, but it's also got a beach and it's close to home. And that was <laughs> a local beach in central coast. So, yeah, it was great. <laughs> But speaking of songwriting and everything, um, I've heard quite a bit about this tent that you normally put out <laughs> in your back garden to write some stuff with. I- I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure what that, what this is all about. I, yeah. I mean, fill us in. Well, um, in my backyard, I live in a small property, um, eleven acres. acres. <laughs> Small property, 11 acres. <laughs> Jesus, I haven't got half an acre. Small property. Oh, Jesus. Well, my yeah. neighbor, my, my small, neighbor's my place small is 120, property. so. Oh, well, yeah. Wow. My small yeah, place but... in the Australian <laughs> outback. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Compared yeah, to you, no, okay, no, Fair enough. Fair enough. Basically, yeah, in, in my backyard, um, I've got a little music studio set up in a shipping container, but it's a really good focus space for kind of working to doing mixing work, doing some writing. When you've got two or three people, it's perfect. When you've got more than that, it's tight and it gets sweaty and gross and I don't like it. So basically the tent was our studio B for writing Anon. Um, and it kind of, the, the tent got brought back as a couple of, you know, our favorite songs from Anon um, kind of were born in that tent. So they brought it up, but because we had that compressed time, I think we set it up, had it set up for a day and then packed it up the next morning. So uh, didn't quite get the same, you know, magic out of it this time, but um, I'm sure it will happen again. <laughs> okay. But when you say tent, I mean, it's not like a little pop-up, two-man pop-up tent, is it? I'm a, like, if you've got acres, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's a little bit bigger. <laughs> um, I mean, it wasn't huge. It was probably like, you know, three, not, yeah, you know, 2.4 by 2.4. Um oh. Mm-hmm. Like you know, normal kind of. I don't know. <laughs> this it, is it wasn't our first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, like the way you're like. Oh no, 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 no listen now, everyone. Listen, I don't live in a massive. Yeah, it's not that massive. Everyone, it's not that massive. Um, yeah, this might be our first. Um, this might be our first podcast where, uh, yeah, our guest is trying to dispel stuff that we are, we are trying to start. He lives in a. He owns all of Australia. I don't. I guess a two by four tent. <laughs> not that uh, big so, yeah. <laughs> on us now please um, the, yeah this is our first tent chat I know that as well there's a couple of firsts on this podcast <laughs> yeah. we've had uh, yeah tents what else did we have earlier trains trains that, that was a good one yeah nice um, yeah I don't know where to go um, but well if we're going to derail the conversation get it train train pun Ooh. derail oh, jesus um, i've like got to go anyway to our boys oh <laughs> Trent, thanks for doing this i've got to go that was another full pun see you later guys no, no, no. <laughs> go on, I, I was gonna say i 
I'm a massive sports fan outside of this podcast and stuff. I've noticed a lot of Hands Like Houses uh, material has been used for a lot of sports lately. You had a track with WWE a couple of years ago. Yeah. Lately with uh, AFL and Aussie Rules, you've been doing this whole kind of mm-hmm. musical campaign with videos and all that for their new season. Um, a, how do things like that come about? Does it just come on someone's desk and, and sort out that way? Do you get a call from Triple H offering you a fight or... or <laughs> Uh, you know, what, what goes on there big Paul on the phone yeah and um, and, se- and secondly I mean is it quite cool to see that your music is being able to translate now to, to a completely different audience and just go with some of your favourite sports yeah honestly it, I think it was just a combination um, of you know the team that we have behind us our manager um, Dennis is amazing he's just such an interesting guy and he kind of seems to just know so many rad people um, in rad places or at least, you know, within one or two <laughs> degrees of, you know, people making these sort of decisions. But, you know, that's not, that doesn't guarantee anything because it's like they say it's all about who you know, but it, that's not necessarily true. You've got to have the right thing for it um, at the time. And um, so between him and our label team at UNFD and their upstream connections through kind of Sony ATV Music in Australia, kind of just put it through to a couple it, it really was just putting the feelers out. Like we, we wrote these songs to stand on their own. We knew that there was, I guess, the potential for that. So they were putting feelers out like, Hey, you know, these things are coming up. What, what, where would this song sit? What do you think of the song? And it just came across the right desk at the right time. And the people making these decisions are just people. So you just got to, you know, try and find the people that like your music, <laughs> your style of music. As far as like the, I guess the clout factor. Um, I think for us, it's a pretty cool, like warm, fuzzy feeling um, because to kind of give a bit of context for it, I, we've got the two football codes in Australia. The two main ones are the AFL and the NRL. So um, Australian rules, which is like Irish Gaelic football in <laughs> in the very distant past. And then um, rugby league, which you guys have over there. So yeah, it's kind of those two are like the main, that accounts for, I, I would say the majority of TV coverage of sports here in Australia. I grew up as a diehard rugby league fan, um, particularly the Brisbane Broncos. Um, we grew up in Canberra, which is pretty much a one-team city, which is the Canberra Raiders. Um, we have had moderate success in a few other sports at different times, but Canberra Raiders have been kind of one of the, I guess, the mainstays of, of ACT sport. Like, sports is just a big part of Australian life. Like, it, it's you grow up playing it, watching it, surrounded by it. So to be kind of a flagship sort of, for the final series of both major codes at the same time, which has never happened before, you know, asterisk, whatever. I don't care. It's, it's still sick. Um, but yeah, just kind of having those both at the same time is just, it, it, it's the sort of thing where I've got people, you know, people I went to high school with, you know, shooting me messages saying, Hey man, just saw you on, you know, on the footy. That's amazing. And just little things like that. It makes it feel like it counts. You know what I mean? Even though, you know, we've done so many crazy big things over the years, there's things like that where it just kind of touches on, something i guess broader in a cultural sense it's uh definitely feels very cool well yeah you mentioned then doing some big things have you got a moment where you were like where you realized you were like oh we're actually a fucking proper professional band this is insane because like i remember like when i was doing it for years i was like i can't get over i'm doing this and then all of a sudden all of a sudden i was like oh look this this fucking kerry king from slayer what how am i allowed near him like, is, was there a moment where you were, where you were like, Jesus Christ, how were we allowed to do this? Um, there's two moments for me um, for different reasons. One of them was playing uh, Rock on the Range Festival, uh, which has become Sonic Temple of more recent years um, in Columbus, Ohio. Um, we'd gone out and kind of done our, like, stage set up. And there was, a, you know, probably a, a good amount of people out there. Like, we're talking, you know, 
maybe a couple of thousand, you know, 1500 people, give or take, um, kind of all out the front of the stage as we're setting up. And, you know, it was cool. It was what we expected. It was pretty early in the day. And we kind of finished our sound check, like the line check. And we walked off to the behind the stage and it's all, you know, kind of, you got your big kind of stage curtains and everything. And we were back there having a chat to our team that had come out to see it. And we're all pretty stoked. And then we walk out there and little did we know in that kind of three or four minutes since we'd walked off stage, um, whatever band was playing on the main stage inside finished and the entirety of the stadium just poured out. And we ended up playing to like probably 10,000 people, Um, and it was just this moment of like, Oh shit, that's a lot of people. And it's like, well, I could get really nervous about this and screw it up. Or I could just not make a dick of myself in front of all these people and, uh, just go for it. (laughs) So it was kind of, (laughs) it was a big moment that kind of felt like a real kind of sense of like, Oh shit, I better prove I can actually do this. (laughs) And that, so that was, that was kind of a big moment. And the the second one was actually a tiny little, like hundred person show in London, um, that we did, uh, after, basically cancellation of a tour actually it was on uh, 2016 um we'd had kind of we were out with the mice and men on their what turned out to be their last tour with austin we had a bunch of european dates all set up and then that got and um we got stuck in france for two weeks in a chateau which is a story for another day but um we came back and did a yeah two shows one at the joiners in southampton and one at the london at a little london bar in kind of camden sort of area i can't remember what the name of it was but there was only like, I think a hundred people there and we played dissonance front to back and we got to the last song. Um, and this is a song we never played in front of an audience before. And they sang it so loud. And it's, it's a personal lyric. It's like, you know, if I'm the bastard child of best intentions or the bitter voice of discontent, if I'm the broken host of indecision, at least my future's in my hands. That for me was always a really personal lyric, but like I, we never played in front of people. I wasn't expecting much. It's the end of the album. No one ever gets that far these days the crowd just sang it so loudly and passionately. I couldn't finish the song. I was like in tears kind of kneeling on the stage, just like just put the mic out. Cause I, I couldn't sing it. And that, that for me was like almost a more significant moment than that giant crowd. But yeah, that's kind of both sides of the same answer. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you for those. Those were two beautiful, beautiful answers. Um, <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you, have you kind of met any of your heroes or spent time with them? Um, while being in a band, have you been shocked by how anyone is, whether they're nice or they're dicks? Because, um, yeah. <laughs> All I of the above, some... yes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because, yeah, I had some run-ins. But, yeah, there wasn't that many. What I found was it seemed to be the smaller bands um, tend to be um, the bigger dickhead, whereas <laughs> when you get to the really big bands then, for the most part, they because they've been doing it for so long, they're just mm. they're just normal people. Um, but yeah, have you had any, like, have you had any inklings with, or? Um, it was a very early influence of mine, but, um, Craig Owens from Chiodos is probably the one that springs to mind from that. So when, when I first joined this band, like I sweated them so hard. I had the tiniest t-shirt I could possibly fit in. That was a Chiodos shirt. <laughs> it was 2008. It was a grim time. <laughs> For everybody, um, <laughs> no, that, was um, that, that was the best time for me. That was the peak of my <laughs> thing. Carry on. No, but I went to Soundwave Festival in 2008. I think it was. Um, but I went and saw them there, and it was a disgustingly hot day. No one was in a good mood anywhere. But I was losing my shit. That you know, went to the signing that they had that Chiotis had there, and I, I kind of met. I met Craig in that context and had this kind of, you know, the typical kind of embarrassing overexcited fan moment 
Yeah, I'm sure everyone has at some point, but kind of, <laughs> I just what I, I I I don't know if it was a sense of kind of like the way that he responded or the way that I knew I'd spoken. Like I probably just put him absolutely on the spot with who knows what I said. I can't even remember, but it was embarrassing and it really changed the way I felt about the band, which sucks because like I sweated oh. that band so hard. So I kind of just it just left a weird experience. Like it was probably as much shame as anything else in there, but. It's disgusting. He probably wasn't in a great mood regardless. But anyway, fast forward to 2015 and we're actually um, doing a tour with the then newly reformed Jodos. We actually joined on the tour halfway through because there was a bit of a sh- scheduling conflict, blah, blah, blah. Ended up kind of talking like in the back of their bus kind of one night, just kind of chatting and kind of getting to know the, the band. And um, I told him about that time and I, I, I said that actually um, that he signed what was my then favorite shirt. It was like this bright red panda shirt. Like it was a bright red shirt with like pandas on it. And I got him to sign it and it was the last autograph I ever got from anyone for any reason, because it's just something about that experience. Just like feel weird wearing this shirt now. And it's, it's not even that he'd done anything, but it just had this weird experience attached to it. So I never wore that shirt again. And I was telling him that story um, over beers one night and till got on. And then about a week later, he kind of walked, he walked out of the bus with the hands behind his back, just grinning from ear to ear. And I'm like, what, what is going on, dude? You look like he's like looking at me, like dare, like staring at me with this grin on his face. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I, he's like, I got you something and pulled out this shirt. He had gone to merch. Now they had tracked down the old screen from like years and years prior from their archives and just re-screen printed this one off shirt. Oh, wow, that's that, awesome. That, oh, I, that, yeah, just to kind of, so that, yeah, it's just, it was just such a nice gesture. And, you know, we've kept up, you know, here and there over the years and it was just such a, just such a kind thing for a headline band to do. Like you said before about it's like, the, you know, it's the small bands that often have the issues. And I know that, you know, Craig's been through his own stuff as well, but yeah, I don't know. It just, it was just the, the kindest, sweetest gesture. And I really appreciated that. So that's one that always stuck with me. Nice. That's beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's why, yeah, that's exactly why I ask his question to get answers like that. <laughs> that's fucking brilliant. Cause yeah, that's the thing. Like nobody knows. That's the thing. Like how many people are listening to this now going, you know, not expecting any of that to have happened really. Cause I wasn't. Mm. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Fair exactly. play to Craig. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome. And, um, Trent, just a couple more quick things now before you go. Um, so I've had a little, I had a little stalk of your Instagram before we um, went to? on here. Sean, Sean's looking very, very worried. It's nothing bad. <laughs> it's just oh, two God. things. Just two things I wanted to to, to bring up from this. Um, one, as I noticed, there was a video of you kind of doing some like woodwork with with what seems to be a shape of a, a guitar. Um, I, I, I mean, just tell me a bit more about that. Are, are you? Building your own is what's what's going on. Uh, it is the early stages of an uh, <clears throat> uh, like kind of an art project that we like. It's a bit of like a, a cause based art project. I'm working with a former AFL player named Dane Beams. Um, so it kind of honestly it teed up totally separately to um, the AFL sync. We'd he'd kind of come out and jo- like um, he and Joel had talked previously as a fan of the band and a couple of other AFL players like that listen to rock music or, you know, had kind of sent us messages in the past and come out to shows here and there. And um, he's been doing like, basically he, to tell like the two second version of his story, he um, left the AFL to look after his mental health. And part of that recovery was doing art therapy. And through art therapy, he actually started a business doing this incredible, like, you know, epoxy resin artwork basically across a bunch of different forms. 
and that was kind of his bridge out, but it's also been his kind of foundations for a whole new life with it, which has been really, it's such a cool story. And, um, you know, keen to talk with him more about it as we get closer. But, um, I was just, we follow his personal account through the band and just kind of saw his resume work. He started posting. I'm like, that's amazing. And I hit him up and I was just like, has anyone ever talked to you about doing a guitar? He's like, no, but let's do it. <laughs> and so it kind of, <laughs> we, um, so yeah, basically what I was doing was creating some templates to kind of, um, do as like a test run just to see what we could do. Cause we, um, Fender, uh, very, helped us out with sourcing a couple of um, Squire guitars to kind of use just the hardware from um, and the electronics. So it is going to be fully playable, basically just replacing the bodies with this, you know, resin art that kind of draws from the, he's done this really beautiful like beach style resin stuff for a few things. So we're looking at a few cool ways we can kind of bring in the Evoca beach, you know, recording session because we're, because the house that we recorded the EP and was overlooking the beach and, there was this kind of like I said before the chaos and the calm I wanted to have like two guitars together that had like so we'll be talking more about this kind of in our, in our like through our socials and kind of telling that story once the guitars are ready if they if they work out we're still kind of in the experiment <laughs> phase but um yeah that's yeah. the plan the plan <laughs> is to produce two art piece guitars auction them off and raise some money for the um mental health charity that he is involved with um oh well so that's kind of the, the, the cause for it all. And that was me working on a template to get a tester going. And I put together a Fender Jazzmaster shape with an Iceman body and it's disgusting and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing everything more about that. But the, uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up very quickly is um, I, I've seen that you and your partner have this kind of weird obsession with Gordon Ramsay. Um, and there's a pillow and you've kind of been hiding it across the house and all that to get back at each other. Um, why? How? Uh, I mean, it's, I just, I just need to know. I've seen it now. I need, I need to know more. Um, so it wasn't a pillow. It was a, uh, so we were given as an engagement present uh, a number of years ago, uh, Gordon Ramsay May's dinner set. So, you know, four plates, four bowls. Okay. Um, yeah. Or something else for small bowls, I guess. But yeah, um, for whatever reason, I think we kept the box. We put some like Christmas decorations or something in the box up in the cupboard um, after we threw all the plates out. And it just kind of, it just lived up in the cupboard for a number of years, come out of Christmas. And we were kind of putting it away. Like we were emptying out that cupboard because we've just, we did a bunch of renovations through COVID. We kind of started, you know, mid last year and kind of ramped up to, <laughs> to kind of all the major stuff happening early on. But um yeah, kind of as we were cleaning out that cupboard, I thought, oh, it'd be a laugh if I just cut this out and hit it somewhere. Because <laughs> Kate, Kate had actually, my partner, well, yeah, my wife, Kate, had just um, uh, commented on just like when the cu- when you open the cupboard, every now and then he'd just be peering out of the cupboard <laughs> from up top. <laughs> so I just thought it'd be funny to cut it out and kind of put it up behind one of the blinds in the house. And it just became this game of hide and seek where basically we'd hide this, cardboard cutout face of Gordon Ramsay, like oh. staring into your soul. And <laughs> it definitely had some good laughs and some good moments. <laughs> what does, uh, yeah. What's Gordon Ramsay cutlery? Like the set look like, does, has, he got sw- has he got his face on it? Or is it like swear words? Like, Fucking eat your dinner. Or I don't know. Like, <laughs> uh, dear. Um, it's actually quite nice to be honest. It was a kind of this, oh. um, beige sort of top color. Um, not very, mm. very good with my specific color references. I tend to use hex codes rather than actual names. <laughs> but, um, it's zero 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 seven. I don't know what that is. That's the probably black. 
on the front of, uh, what is it? Um, yeah, zero, zero, zero is black. Um, on the, the cover of the water is, uh, A8DADC. I've typed that a lot of times. Can you tell? Well, wow. well, well. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. 457B9D is the dark blue. E7 bad one <laughs> is the, the pink. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. it. No, um, you're going to be on some color podcast now after you're in this. <laughs> But to finish the story, the the plates were kind of this lovely brown top color, kind of nice kind of radiating circular pattern. Not quite nice, but then we broke enough of them. Then it's like, all right, we got such a mix match. We need to replace. So we did. Well, there we go. Cutlery. That's a that's another conversation. That's like, yeah. well, I'm, I'm Gordon Ramsay. I don't think we've had I'm a Gordon, Gordon Ramsay based yeah. chat before. <laughs> Even though we did try to have somebody on the podcast before who does a fantastic Gordon Ramsay impression. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's for yeah. another podcast, I suppose. Um, yeah, thank you so, so much for doing this. Good luck with the EP. It is out now. Thank you very much. And uh, of course, it's called uh, Hands Like Houses. Yeah, congratulations on everything so far and good luck. And I'm sure... Yeah, when this is all over, if you get to come over, please, can we do one of these in, in the flesh? Because I think it could be a good laugh. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yes. And, um, Fingers crossed. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much to <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. the wonderful Ailey Connolly as well for sorting this out. Yes. She is an absolute bloody superstar. Yeah, we'll speak to you soon, hopefully. Looking forward to it. Appreciate the chat, guys. You're listening to Yes! Awesome. Yeah. Sh- Sean, you okay? You're like looking at me very weirdly. I just, I'm still stumped over this Lars Ulrich thing. I don't think you look anything <laughs> like him. You don't look anything like him. You don't look like any Lars. I don't even think, I don't think there's a Lars in the world that looks like you. I'm going to put that out. Hey, guys, use your fucking, use your competition for the week. Who can find anybody called Lars who looks like Morgan, <laughs> right? Get in touch with us at Sapping Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, find us on our personal Facebooks if you want and s- send me photos of people called Lars who look like Morgan because I will gladly put them up everywhere. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, thank you very much to Trenton Woodley for his time, uh, for the lovely, lovely chat all around being a top chap. It was a, it was a good time. Yeah, it was brilliant. And as I said, it's a band I've always wanted to get a little bit more of an insight into. And I've been great that we finally got to do that on the podcast. Um, the new EP, Hands Like Houses, is sounding huge. I'm very excited to see what happens next and what they come up with. And make sure to go and pick up a copy if you haven't already. They have announced a bunch of touring dates for Australia. And they're probably going to happen. Absolutely Shit mad. Is. So to any Australian listeners... Go to a show if you're safe enough to and uh, have a bloody good time for us, just for us, because it's almost been a year since we've been to a gig now and I'm fucking livid. (laughs) Yeah, me too, but me too. Hey, if you live in Australia and New Zealand, right, and you don't go to a gig and now you fucking can, hey, I hate you. I really, really hate you. Because you should be... If I was in Australia or New Zealand now, I would literally be outside running constantly from party to gig to event. I'd be going to all genres. I'd be going to ska gigs. (laughs) I'd be going to um, drum and bass gigs. I'd be going to everything. I would literally be going to all genres just to be like, ah, I can't believe we're allowed near people again. 
but no no we're stuck in the in the uk where we've just had over 100,000 deaths and mm. apparently there's absolutely nobody to blame for it especially apparently we can't blame the government which it as we all should know it's completely their fault oh. but sorry about that but that's, yeah that's um, hey we've yeah, got get out yeah I have to. I have to, Mug. These times, this is my platform. I'll, hey, this is my podcast. I'll rant when I want. Yeah, if you live in Australia, New Zealand, you jammy, jammy bastards. I love it. And that's why, in a mad, right, when you think about it, we did like a year of podcasts before any of this shit happened, right? And how many times I mentioned how much I love australia it kind of became a bit of a jokey meme it did yeah, yeah it came that, out oh sure sean's gonna mention he loves australia yeah, yeah i wonder why oh because it turns <laughs> out they fucking got gigs and that <laughs> gigs oh. oh the good old days but yeah thanks again to trent um i thought the story about craig owens was insane uh topsy-turvy didn't know where it was going um and yeah, chill this uh, a band you know quite well sure I'm, am I right in saying the blackout took them out as support on a UK tour a few years back no you're oh. wrong you're bang wrong we did try but they they didn't come over we did try we had them on uh, we, yeah we were meant to take them out on one of our final tours I think but they um, backed out at the last second and funnily enough you mentioned them and you know i know it's to go with the story this week but somebody literally tagged me in fa- on facebook or she didn't tag me she sent me a screenshot of some sort of group where somebody said does anyone remember the blackout for anybody who doesn't know that's my former band my friend had sex with the singer right and he shouted out woo right and then, so this girl sent me this going, was this you? And I was like, hey, that's not me. And I definitely don't think it was Gavin either, right? <laughs> so can you, please t- can you please tell your friend to, you know, maybe check the facts or whatever. She then got back to me and, <laughs> and said, apparently it was one of the singers at the time from Chiodos. So, um, oh. yeah, it wasn't me Rick Flair in myself while having sex. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, yeah. I know you like to say woo on a song from time to time and make like woo. those kind of noises, yeah. but... Not during sex. Yeah, it's not- mainly crying. It's mainly crying uh, I yeah. do during sex. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's probably so awful. Uh, yeah, don't... Yeah, I'm sorry about that stuff. The, all that weird stuff on the end of... Anyway. Um, yeah, oh, wow. so the, yeah, that's some news. Um, okay. Probably shouldn't have said... Probably shouldn't have said all that. But I've had three coffees. So that's there now. Well... Um, that's, if, a, that's out there for the world now. If, if Craig wants um, to come on and have a chat about... Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I didn't say he was Craig. No, I didn't you, say he was Craig. No, I didn't I say s- you did. I, said, I just said if he wants to come on and have a chat about things, he can. Oh, well, yeah. We're, all, yeah, we're always up for that. But, um, yeah. So, this is taking a very weird turn, Sean. Um, I know. And I'd just like to say... Now, if you take it anyway, anything away from this is that I I have not or will not ever woo during intercourse. That's good to know. And I'm glad you've cleared that up. <laughs> Look, <laughs> the burning question on everybody's lips is what noise does Sean make while making love to people? And sadly, it's not woo. Sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint. Um, uh, I don't know if I should share this story, but that's reminding me of one of my friends from university. Here we go. Once 
Ah, uh, should I share that oh, I've started now? Basically, <laughs> I won't go into context. But you know the film Shrek? Yeah. Um, there's He's a the actor in that. <laughs> <laughs> My friend, a... he plays he plays Shrek. No, carry on, yeah. There's a character called Quasimodo. I know, yeah, Quasimodo's not from Shrek. Quasimodo's from mythical beast existing. The oh, hunchback. No, it's not like. Quasimodo then. What's the other one? What's the guy from Shrek with the big head? I don't fucking Lord know. Lord Farquaad. Him. Ah, oh, Farquaad. Right. Yeah, him. Sorry. Um, to any diehard Shrek fans that have offended. Basically... Uh, he got dead once um, while going out with his girlfriend at the time that when they finished the intercourse that he would shout at her Lord Farquhar and the dingle did she look too like well. Lord Farquhar yeah mm. did she look like Lord Farquhar I'm not going to comment on any of um, of that let's move on before I really lose friends yep. over this yep. story if you've enjoyed any <laughs> of our mad ramblings and uh, oh, losing enough. friends on the podcast why not come and make some over on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Sapmin. There's a group of absolutely amazing human beings on there that help us make this thing happen each and every week. They support each other through these dark, dark times, and we'd love you to get involved with everything. So if you head over to patreon.com forward slash Sapnin, there's loads of different tiers you can give as much or as little as you want, and there's also loads of bonus content for you to dive into for all your wonderful support. Yes. Um, yeah, what a mad turn this took. But mm. doesn't, it, doesn't it every week? It does, to be every, fair. Because <laughs> this is the thing. We don't really talk about what we're going to talk about. Oh, no. And then this mad shit happens. Yeah. And then, you know, somebody just happened. You know, you just mentioned Chiodos randomly. <laughs> and then I was reminded of something I've seen this week. So, yeah. Bonkers, but... Yeah, and, and just to say as well, obviously tough times are tough. So if you cannot support us financially, we would very much appreciate you uh, giving us a follow on our social media accounts at Sapnin Pod on Twitter and Instagram, but also just sharing the podcast to as many people as you can, your friends, your enemies, whatever. Click and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast and just send nice things. Rate us where you can. So on Apple Podcasts and all that shit. Um, if you could give us five stars, that would be good. I know, I understand that f- some of you for a joke might be thinking, oh, I'll give them one, that'll be funny. But don't, because it fucking affects us. Yes, it does. So don't do that. <laughs> please, please don't please do that. Please don't do that. Please. But anyway, let's let's leave this on a positive note, because if you head to the description of this episode, which I'm sure everybody reads, because it takes me a while to write it, uh, there's loads of names in there that we thank from our Patreon there absolutely wonderful humans each and every single person involved in the community but sean is going to read out the top tiers the elite members of our sapling podcast patreon they've probably changed their names to some funny stuff to have a laugh um and we're about to see what they've decided to gang up on us with this week Yes, thank you very, very much to Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Livaway, Mitch Perry, Emma Barber, Happy Birthday Mo Dick, Kelly Young, Nathan Crowshaw, Dilly Happy Day of Birthing to Sir Mo Dickington and Lord Murray the Great Beard Grimwood, Paul Hirschfield, Kelly Irwin, Michael Engler, Liam Conley, Scooby Drew Styles, Dana, and then she's posted some Hebrew, but sadly for me I don't speak Hebrew so I don't really know what she's written there, so... Dana Lasnava, happy birthday to my favourite podcast host of all time, Sean Smith. Sorry it's late. When's Morgan's birthday? That's what I like. More of wow, that we that's, need. That's, that's worse than the last year comment. I don't know. I, 
Um, yeah, thank you very much to Kat Bess and Amadine Urbano, Loz, Tony Michael, Tom Owen, the real Slim Shani. Thank you very much for coming back. Samuel, are you? Samuel are going to die on Halloween, Griffiths. Thank you very much for joining again. Amy Campion, Johnny Phillips, happy anniversary of sliding out of your mum morgues. Bert, Simon Amos, Ollie, happy birthday to the Queen of Mean Girls, Mo Dick Richards, Amesbury, Kate Stevenson, Jenny Sexy Boy Monster, Emily Senegals, Danny Eaton, Martina McManus, Lucy Deards, Erin Howard, Becky Andy, John and Emma, Jelly Beans, Anti-Disestablishment Terrorism, Shabba, Obla D, Obla Da, Nibbles, Heebie Jeebies. <laughs> Marcy Jacobson Brian Pinker Jenny Robinson Louis Cook Kevin Clark Caroline Robinson Craig Abby Birthday Morgan Harris Kelly Cannon Sandra Kuacek Livy Cropper Tallulah Grant James McNaught Kelly make damn sure you have a great birthday Morgan and have a slow dance on the inside Mallory Stuart McNaught Sharif Awadali Lydia Henderson Julia at as you asked me to prove myself, I said I'd never ever tell a lie. As you asked me to bear my soul, I said I'd never ever tell. I see what that is. She's that's the lyrics to a song called "You" by the Blackout, I think, that she posted about asking was there a live version of it. Luckily for everybody's ears and people who are pitch perfect, there isn't a version of it available, and there never will be. Thank you very much to Morgan. Have a day, mate. Jacob Turner, just have a day. Just have twenty-four uh, just, hours. Uh, okay. Cool. Yep. TJ, who's Morgan Richards and why are we saying happy birthday to him? Ambler Shattuck. My man. My man. Anyway, Josh, glory, glory, Morgan Richards. And the pod keeps marching on, on, crisp. Adam Parslow, Alice Wood, Katrina, which is Morgan, an awesome birthday, Robinson. Terry, Oakshot Masters. And Pembloid Happis to my favourite podcast host, Morgan. Unlucky Sean, love from Keris. <laughs> that's all of the top tier members thank you very much to each and every single one of them if you've ever been a member of the podca- uh, Patre- podcast Patreon thank you it means the absolute world to us if you're considering it fucking get on it man get on it man please do we very much appreciate it thank you to everyone f- for those wonderful birthday messages thank you to anyone who's listened to this thank you to hands like houses for taking time to have a chat and just thank you sean for being you oh thank you very much oh also congratulations to you me at six and us for having a number one album i know the you me six album came out last friday and we had max on last friday so yeah no some people oh here we go some people are saying that they only got that number one album because of the, Max's appearance on Sapney Podcast I mean that's what some some people are definitely saying that I mean it's 100%. definitely helped I think you know I think it's definitely the core the core cause of of, of that yeah you know it's not because they've written a good album and they they've had some yeah they did yeah they did um, and they had subsequent subsequent singles promoting the outcome of the album. I genuinely believe it was last Friday, not last Friday, the Friday before, we had Max Hellier on, and then they had a number one album, so tidy. Oh, and also, Bring Me Horizon are pushing for an album, a number one album this week, so, um, yeah, check it out. Get them up there, because it'd be good to have some bloody rock number one again. I might be too late by now. Like, when this comes out, they might have already have had the album. But, uh, yeah, good, so good you, luck to so everybody. You're, you're, the sentence takeaway is keep, fro- keep frocking? Keep rocking in the free world. Yes, well, keep rocking in the locked up world. That one. Yeah, that'll work. Keep rocking in the lock. Yeah, I might write a song called Ooh. that now. Right, anyway, um, let's fuck off. Something! Something!
You're listening to Sapling Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much. <laughs>